people don't enjoy failing. They want to do things the right way. And so that's really been the the opportunity for us is, is creating the systems, the SOPs, setting the standards, setting expectations so that they know when they're succeeding. There's no this, there's no guessing game. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. And today we're having a conversation with Leila Gambari to get a glimpse into how Stumptown, a pioneering specialty coffee roaster, manages its cafes. Dwayne Sorensen founded Stumptown in 1999 in Portland, Oregon. And in fact, the name Stumptown is one of Portland's nicknames and harkens back to its days as a bustling logging town. The famous cafe chain was bought by Pete's Coffee in 2015, and the brand has been growing from strength to strength across its cafes, wholesale, and e-commerce platforms. As director of cafes, Layla has had to deal with the full force of COVID. And in this conversation, we learn how she's been steering the ship through these very turbulent waters. But Layla also challenges us to rethink the role of the quote-unquote leader. The term leader often brings to mind inspiring, mold-breaking personalities. But in this interview, Layla suggests that being a great leader actually means serving the managers who report to you, not the other way around. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, and enjoy this conversation with Layla Gambari. Welcome, Layla. Excited to be here. Well, Stumptown really needs no introduction. Such a famous brand, especially across the USA, one of those early pioneers of specialty coffee. Could you perhaps share a few facts about the business, about the scale, the scope, and the ethos of Stumptown? So yeah, Stumptown's obviously been a pioneer in the specialty coffee world, and Dwayne Sorensen, our founder, started out in Portland, Oregon, small little cafe with a roaster, and he's grown it quite a lot. Cafes we have across the United States, pre-pandemic, we had 12 cafes. We're now operating with eight at the moment. But the the biggest expansion that's really grown Stumptown and why it's it's seen and known around the world is really our expansion into cold brew and our whole bean coffee available in grocery stores. You know, this last year, we were the number one premium price whole bean coffee available in the entire United States. So yeah, wow. Yeah, it's a big one. So, you know, that's obviously been a great deal to our relationship with Pete's. They're our parent company and they have We've been able to utilize their distribution that has really increased our capacity to distribute our coffee and cold brew across the United States. So, you know, people, I think, initially got to know Stumptown through our cafes and our wholesale accounts across the U.S., but now it's, it's definitely something where people know us more from seeing our cold brew in the grocery stores, but it really works beautifully together, you know, our, our retail cafes and their marketing presence to really connect people to our brand and then being able to access it at their local grocery store or, you know, go into a local coffee shop that serves our coffee is is what helps to continue to grow that brand. And, and you've had quite a career in coffee, a former barista champion. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background on yourself and enlighten us with a little bit about your own journey in coffee. Yeah, I, you know, I never imagined that I would be working in coffee for this long, but really my my journey in coffee has a lot to do with kind of legacy and heritage as well as community connection. My father and mother started Cherry Street Coffee House in Seattle, Washington over 20 years ago now. And they grew that business to over 10 retail cafes in Seattle, Washington. My father is from Iran and is very much connected to the Iranian community that's really prominent in Seattle. 
And so his combination of wanting to, you know, build his community as a member of the Seattle community, but also connect with his Iranian community has made him a really prominent public figure in the Seattle community. And so I grew up with seeing my business owner family and his investment into the community and his connection with his Iranian community. And, and so that's really what fed me into coffee is, is that family connection. And I took the same path in terms of connection to community as well. I, alongside working as a barista in different coffee shops, I was a member of the executive council for the Barista Guild of America and went on to be the chair of the Barista Guild just prior to the SCAA and SCAE merge. I came off the chair of that position right as that merge had happened. So I got to be a part of that whole process. And I invested really strongly into my local coffee community in Seattle, as well as connecting with women in the coffee industry. I I did a number of events and started some different things that helped connect women in the coffee industry. And then just kind of personally, my growth within coffee has really, you know, taken me to a lot of different places. I've, I've worked for a number of different coffee roasters, but for the most part, I've stayed in the Pacific Northwest. Seattle and Portland area are definitely my home and I've I've remained here. So I've been working coffee for over 15 years now and where it's brought me is is shocking. The United States Barista Championship obviously was a big catalyst for me. It was an amazing platform that I took full advantage of to get my name out there and grow myself. And it's been immensely beneficial for me. So, you know, that was also a part of community for me was participating in those competitions to be around my community and continue to highlight specialty coffee through the competitions. And so now you have a, a really fascinating role and a very influential role at Stumptown. What was the, the draw to Stumptown? Was it the culture? You know, I actually worked for Stumptown as a barista eight years prior to me coming back to Stumptown. And I was working for my father, Cherry Street Coffee House at the time. I had been working for him for about four years And I got to a point at Cherry Street where it felt like, you know, if I wasn't going to be in charge, (laughs) it was maybe time for me to move on. I have a very wonderful close relationship with my father, but I started to feel the tension of my own leadership kind of setting in and him not being ready for me to take on that leadership (laughs) role within the company, Um, which rightfully so, it's, it's his business and he's not done being the leader. And so I felt like it was time for me to step away and find my own path So I really thought back on my career and and where I enjoyed being and and what companies I still really liked and just kind of, you know, I knew I wanted to stay in the Pacific Northwest. And so there wasn't a ton of options, but really my mind went right back to Stumptown and how as a barista there, I was a barista there for a year and a half, but I've also probably five years of the barista, I worked with Stumptown Coffee through wholesale accounts. And so I was very, very well connected with the company. And I really loved my time there. I thought that I was very well taken care of. I enjoyed the people. Um, I did enjoy the culture. And so I reached out to some of my contacts there and it was it was an immediate click. And so I was initially brought on um, the start of 2018 as the director of education. Um, and so I was overseeing our education for both our retail cafes as well as our wholesale accounts, mostly our wholesale accounts and had 10 trainers that were situated across the U.S. that I was managing and really building an education program for Stumptown. And uh, after a year and a half of doing that, some structural changes happened and this opportunity for me to move into retail came about and it felt like the right move 
for the education team to allow someone else to step into my role. But it also felt like a really great opportunity for myself as well as retail for me to use my experience in working in retail to to step into that role. And it has been a really amazing experience for me. You know, I moved into that role and one month later went on maternity leave. I was on maternity leave for about four and a half months. And then I came back and two months later is when the pandemic really started. So my time as the, the director of, of cafes has been a very interesting one, but I've, I've learned a great deal. <laughs> and what, what would you say is unique about the Stumptown culture? Is there some sort of special DNA that the powers that be over the years at Stumptown have created? You know, I think Stumptown was founded by artists. And I think the way that it's been built is around making art. Um, that means a number of different things from the, the relationships and the structures that have been built and with the producing countries and the, the relationship with the producers, the way that the coffee is roasted and even just the retail experience really was less about science, to be quite honest. Sometimes always been about the feel and the experience and just the artistry of roasting coffee and brewing coffee. And so that's sort of what Dwayne founded on. He himself was very into music and a lot of the people that worked there were musicians and artists and it, it very much bred into everything. And a lot of the marketing was, you know, art made by the baristas and, and those are really like cornerstone experiences you know, obviously that was a long time ago that it was created, but that has continued on and that that artistry is still very prominent. Obviously, as we've grown, we've had to move more into systems of operation that have become more automated, bigger scales. But I still believe the artistry of it is the foundation of the way we view things in terms of how that affects culture. You know, I will say that I think that it's very important with culture for it to evolve. You know, the world evolves, especially coffee has evolved. The people um, that come into our cafes have evolved. Our employees have evolved and changed over the years. And so although I believe that the core you know, ethos or, or what we believe has stayed the same, it's important that we evolve and change and that culture, you know, company culture to me really needs to be a reflection of your, your employees' culture and the people that you serve and the people that work for you. And so I would honestly say that I believe that Stumptown right now is a little bit in a path of development in its culture. I think that Stumptown, and this is why I wanted to come back to it, I believe that Stumptown really values their employees. And so they take the time to listen and respond to what needs to be done in order to adapt its culture in a lot of ways to get the end result that we're looking for. And so this last year with the the social unrest that has happened and these inequalities that have always been there but have really come to the surface of conversation this past year has resulted in Stumptown needing to take a look internally, address the things that need to be changed and develop the things that we've already been doing a really great job of and continue to push those forward. And that makes me feel incredibly valued that my individual experience is important to them. And so that culture, that company culture of recognizing change, adapting, evolving, is why I continue to stay there and why I think that Stumptown will be a force of a brand as we continue on. What would you say is the connection to team culture on cafe performance? Because it certainly must 
be all about business at some point. Absolutely. I ultimately do believe that my team is more important than the performance and numbers, but I think that they go hand in hand. That right there about the performance of the cafe to me is the conversation about leadership. You know, I've, I've had different leadership roles. I've led people who themselves were not managers as my role of director of education. My team were the trainers and they didn't manage people. They worked alongside people, but they weren't managing people. Now in my role as the director of cafes, I manage managers. And so the way that I lead is very different. For the my role right now with managing the managers, they have financial obligation. They have a performance goal they need to adhere to. And so the way that I seek to manage them is very different. The way that I lead them is very different. For me, what my leadership role is right now is to help foster them to be good leaders. My way of being a good leader to them is allowing them to be good leaders so that they can lead their teams because ultimately they're responsible for the performance of their cafe. And so my team can be happy, but if their teams aren't happy, then that's truly what's going to affect the performance of the cafe. And so the way that I kind of look at this process of leadership for me is it's effective communication is a top priority for me. And what I mean by effective communication and not just communication is to, to really look at the mechanisms in which I'm creating communication. If the communication pathways that I've created are not being used or they are not getting fruitful products out of it, then it's not effective. And so I need to reanalyze how I'm creating space, where I'm creating space for people to communicate and making sure that it fits with everybody. And that also results in me needing to adjust my communication style for each individual person. And so I have that building that relationship with my team through those effective communication pathways. It also means transparency. Transparency is a top priority to me to make sure that they understand why I'm asking them to do these things. What is the basis for this? Being very clear about the objectives, what the expectations are, making sure that's all very clear so that there's no guessing or questioning. It also holds me accountable. It holds them accountable. It holds me accountable. But ultimately, I think that empathy and leading with empathy now more than ever has been the most important aspect for me. And so my goal is to foster good leaders. And so I look at them individually and their performance and what they need. And each one of my managers needs a different amount of attention. They need a different form of communication, but they want to be successful. You know, they're, they're managers, they're leaders. They want to be successful. And so it's my job to figure out how I can allow them to be successful because that all translates into the cafe. Then when they feel heard, when they feel supported, they are able to achieve what is necessary of them. They want to do a good job. And so when they have the tools that they need to do so, they, they do. That's ultimately what I've been focusing on in this role is building that trust. The point about communication is really important. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the technology or systems that you need to put in place to make sure that you get that good communication. I personally am very, very systems orientated. And this has been something that I've, I've learned a great deal about. And my father obviously is a business owner. My older brother is also a business owner. They're vision-based. They're entrepreneurs. Their leadership is very, you know, I think what we kind of think of more as leaders, this figure, these very um, inspiring people. I would say I'm not the most inspiring person. I'm a little bit too much of a realist to be inspiring sometimes. And so I look at ways of how I can lead my team, again, by creating 
platforms for them to be successful. And that has a lot to do with the the systems, the processes, and whether or not we're using technology in order to do that. I always say that, you know, you can't uphold standards that you haven't set. And so it's important that we set standards for every little detail, how you make a, a, a latte, how you close the cafe, all of these standards need to be set in order to hold people to those standards. And I think my education background has helped me in this way because I go into this assuming no one knows exactly how they're supposed to close the store. You know, if I tell someone that they need to mop the floor, I assume they don't know how to mop the floor. And so everything needs to be clear. The expectations need to be clear. The standards need to be clear to allow for that pathway. Again, this is about creating opportunities for them to be successful. And I need to give them the tools. I need to create an SOP for every little thing that they're gonna do in the cafe so that they know whether they're doing it right or wrong. People don't enjoy failing. They want to do things the right way. And so that's really been the the opportunity for us is, is creating the systems, the SOPs, setting the standards, setting expectations so that they know when they're succeeding. There's no this, There's no guessing game. When they have the tools that they need to be successful, oftentimes they really are when they feel like we are thinking about the things that they need, giving them the tools that they need, then they utilize them and they expect that from, again, this comes back to building trust with your team. We've started to adapt some more technology. A lot of the things at Stumptown had still been very old school. You know, everything was like a document that was printed and put on the wall. And I really like technology and have utilized technology. So whether that's online scheduling platforms, that's using communication platforms such as, you know, Slack or things like that. But I will say that I still think that the conversation, the one-on-one direct conversation, even if it's very brief, is incredibly important now more than ever where I'm not physically with my teams. I'm having to be with them virtually. I need to see them. I need to be able to connect with them. And this allows, again, for that empathy. You know, if I'm just communicating via email or we're communicating on web forums and things like that, it doesn't allow me to see maybe the struggles that they're not talking about. But when I see my team, I mean, I'll be quite honest, this last year, a lot of my one-on-one Zoom meetings with my team will start off immediately with tears because it's really, it's been really hard. It's been stressful and people are worried and they're scared and they don't know what's going to happen. And so me sitting with my team and feeling what they're feeling and listening to their experience because The truth of the matter is I'm having a different experience than my cafe managers are. I'm not physically in the cafes. I'm here at my home. I work from home. And so I need to see and sit with their experiences in order to know how to appropriately respond. I need to show up for my team. I need to see them and and be there with them. And so I think technology has been incredibly important for us. I mean, obviously, this is the only way we've been able to connect is through technology. But I don't think it will ever replace that real human connection that's necessary. So I wonder if you could paint a picture of the situation, you know, the last, what seems to be about 10 months, 10, 11 months now with the COVID and mm-hmm. how that have impacted the business and how you had to adapt your communication with your team. You know, Stumptown has been incredibly lucky in a lot of ways that we are a diversified company. Our wholesale and our retail are down pretty dramatically. It's been a difficult path for our channel. Our Uh, grocery, coffee, our grocery, cold brew, as well as our e-com have seen 
extreme success through this time, which also comes with its challenges because we've had to adapt our systems and create more space to just be able to to keep up with the demand. So, you know, it's had its own challenges, but they've been incredibly successful. And so that diversification is obviously greatly helped us as a company, but within my own channel and retail, you know, it's been an, an immense struggle. We we closed all of our cafes back in March. We regrouped to figure out what we were going to do next. Our teams were put on furlough for about three months. As we continued to figure things out, we started to open stores slowly but surely in a new format. Ultimately, we unfortunately did have to lay off over half of our teams. You know, we just didn't have the space for them as we as we reopened in, in a smaller model. And so that experience was, it was so hard, but I really think that, again, this is where putting ourselves in their shoes and, and understanding what sort of support that they needed in that time, it was a lot of really, really hard conversations, but we had every single one of them in person. You know, these weren't through emails. These were phone calls. These were Zoom these were as as much in-person conversations as we could have because, again, I think seeing our teams, being able to tell them these tough things face-to-face, it's hard. And I, I don't think that prior to uh, the pandemic that I felt very comfortable with those. I think it, it caused me a lot of anxiety. But, you know, after having those conversations, as hard as they are, they're, you know, it's, it's important, again, for them to see that to know that there's a human there that understands what's happening and is is sorry for what's happening. And so we've had to go through that. But then with just being open, every day has been a new challenge. You know, whether there's been the trials of just as regulations have changed in each one of our cities and needing to adapt that, making sure our teams are safe, making sure that we are prepared if someone does get COVID and that the team feels that if if someone gets sick, that the appropriate steps will be taken. And it's just been hard. The, the pu- general public has been, for the most part, our regulars have been incredibly great and understanding and gracious to our teams. But we also have had a lot of people that have caused a lot of stress and anxiety in our teams. And dealing with each one of those has been really hard. And, you know, the managers of our cafes have been absolutely amazing. I'm just I'm just so proud of how they've handled this. It's hard to lead through such an extreme crisis and to to sit with, you know, the fact that, you know, we already, you know, fourth of your, you know, in a 40 hour work week, fourth of your week is spent at work. But now add in the fact that you can't see your friends and family work and your coworkers becomes all you have. You know, you go home and then you come to work and that's that's what you have right now. And so the the way that they've bonded together to support each other has been really amazing to see, but I think it's 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 even strengthened our empathy for one another because, you know, this sort of concept of we're all in this together, you know, how can we support and, and take care of one another in such a unique time when you don't have your family and friends as much as you used to, you really have your work. So it's been incredibly challenging, but I'm going to be quite honest, although, you know, in terms of the numbers, we're not as strong as we were yes, last year. You know, 2019 was a really great year for us. I would say that as a department, as a team, we're stronger than we ever have been, which gives me so much hope and um, excitement for the remainder of this year and moving into 2022, that we are actually being able to build back and reopen so much stronger than we were before with new perspective, with new vision, with new ways to show up for our teams as well as show up for our customers. So this challenging time has definitely allowed us to sort of shift perspective. 
Sounds very much like that quote that I heard once, the comeback is going to be stronger than the setback. Yeah. You mentioned you're a sort of a leader of leaders. Mm -hmm. You've probably answered the question, but I'd love to just to a different take on this. You know, what, what is the true role of the general manager of each cafe? For us, our managers, they are in charge of both the team and the financial well-being of our cafes and as well as the physical space. You know, we, we set goals with them, but they're the voice. I've tried this last year, especially to make time for each one of our baristas to make sure that I've created a space for them to, to communicate directly to me, to build again that trust that I'm not just this HQ figure working from home, that I'm, I'm someone who's there. And so I've had individual meetings with each one of our baristas and I've started a retail specific quarterly town hall that the, the baristas are invited to, to, to hear how we're doing as a company, as well as how we're doing in our department. But ultimately the managers are the ones that need to build that relationship with their team. And this is where I, I would say that my job as a leader is to make sure that I am giving my team the tools so that they can be good leaders for them. I don't lead their baristas, they lead their baristas. And so what they need from me is to give them the encouragement, the tools in order for them to be good leaders. You know, we set financial goals. They are very much a part of our projections and our goal setting for the year. Each one of their cafes has a unique, you know, labor model and, you know, revenue expectations. And so we try and meet those together. I meet with them on a quarterly basis where each month we focus on a different topic. You know, first month we focus on business development for the quarter. The next one we focus on team development. And then the last month of the quarter, we focus on their own management leadership development and taking time to look at each one of those separately is really important and, and to dive into them because those are what they're responsible. They're responsible for the business, they're responsible for their team, and then just, you know, they're responsible for their own development and leadership skills. And so that's what I do is I just kind of facilitate and grow them as leaders. And, you know, one thing that I found from having good managers myself is that when my manager gives me the ability to be good to my team, that's leadership that I really, really appreciate. You know, I, I think that as the manager, sometimes they feel like they don't have a lot of control. They're just, you know, they just have to open the store and, and make sure the staff's there and, and make sure the numbers are hitting, the, you know, what they're at. But I want them to feel like they have control over what's happening and the decisions we're making. And, you know, to be honest, it's hard sometimes to, you know, push back when, when your boss says something to you. You're like, okay, you know, I'll do that. Even if you're like, not really, I don't really know if that's the right decision or I don't think that's achievable. You just feel like you have to say yes. And one of the best things I think that has come out of this last year is I've started to get positive pushback from my team. I'll bring something to them and they'll say, you know, I, I think that this is actually the better path for us or I think that my customers would prefer it done this way. And that's been so encouraging to me to hear them feel that they have a voice in the decision making for their cafe to me has been one of the greatest successes that have come out of this last year. And again, about building that trust that they know that they can tell me what's needed or that, that I believe in their ideas, that I'll listen to their ideas. That to me is, has been such a success. Obviously, along the way, you've learned quite a lot. Is there any sort of big special tip you just wish you would have known earlier? Yeah, you know, I... I could go back and teach my young self one thing. You know, each generation has had to come up with their own challenges. You know, for me, starting off in coffee 
I had a lot of um, mentors that were older women in coffee that had already had their successful careers that I, I looked to for mentorship. And they had their own challenges in dealing with being a woman in the industry. And a lot of it for them was that they had to kind of endure the challenges. They had to kind of deal with misogyny and those types of things because it was just kind of the norm. I feel like in my generation, we've started to at least talk about it. It's more of a topic of conversation that we can address and communicate about it, where I think now <laughs> it is it is unacceptable. You have to be thinking about racial equality and gender equality within your business, or I don't believe your business will succeed. And so to me, empathy and understanding of other people's experiences is how you grow your team, is how you create these lasting relationships, the trust that you need. And so I really believe that your leadership must reflect your membership. And so if you want to have a diverse team, your leadership also needs to be diverse. I can't expect that if my team is all white men, that I'm going to get different ethnic backgrounds and genders coming into my cafes and feeling safe there. There has to be reflection in the leadership. And so again, you know, it comes back to that empathy and understanding that each person's experience is different and that that is their experience and that it's valid. And I think that if I would have known that at an earlier age, I could have been a far more effective leader. But now it is what fuels Every decision I make is the understanding of, of the experience that my team is going through that is different than my experience, and that's okay. But it is their experience, and they're the people that I'm responsible for. Thanks, Leila, for sharing your knowledge here today. It's so valuable for business leaders. I can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And where possible, don't forget to give us a good rating. Also, please get in touch and tell us which topics are important to you so that we can make this podcast more relevant to your business. You can follow the link in the show notes to worldcoffeeportal.com slash fifth wave. This episode was recorded in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions, and Sound Engineering by Chris Brister. Normally, we'd be playing you a piece of music from the Coffee Music Project, but today, in the spirit of team culture, we're gracing your ears with a song by a valued member of Stumpdown's Cafe team. The song you're hearing is Forceless by Erica Schaefer. Links to the music are in the show notes. Have a great week, and until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. Thank you.